Hello everyone, welcome to Indie's Augmented Reality Podcast. In today's episode, our COO Alex Allenson is joined by Zoltan Solstai, Indie's Content Director, and our first guest, Francesco Fiore, Managing Director of Zen Tiger Live, a Japanese live entertainment joint venture of Sega Live Entertainment and On The Line. They talk about cross-media storytelling, AR content creation and adaption, as well as character licensing in augmented reality. So let's get started. Welcome to the Indie Podcast. Sitting around the table today, we have from the Indie team, we have Zolly, who's our content director. Hello. Um, Zolly, why don't you tell a little bit about yourself and your background? So, um, currently at Indie, um, basically head of content, we create a lot of 3D stuff for uh, the augmented reality softwares that we create at Indie. And um, my background is really, um, so I'm coming from more general 3D productions to augmented reality. Um, I started out with uh, ads, VFX production, and then I went into the 3D animation business at my own studio there. And then I went back to be a VFX supervisor, which I did for quite a lot of time. And then I ended up in the about one and a half years ago, or a year ago, or something like that. That's great. So you're at the pinnacle of your career at Indie now, working at the cutting edge of 3D content production. Exactly. Fantastic. Good. Very good pinnacle. Yeah, that's it. Well, this is what we're aiming. What we're aiming for. So I'll introduce myself. My name's Alex. I'm the COO at Indie. I do uh, a lot of more of the commercial work uh, at Indie. Uh, more of the less of the magic that comes out of Zolly's fingers. Um, so I guess I'm going to be educated as much in this field as probably the audience is today. Uh, and then we have our first uh, guest participant in the podcast. Thank you for having me here. Uh, it's Francesco Fiori. He's, he's flown, flown in from Milan yesterday to join us. Um, so Francesco, tell us a little bit about yourself. And Yeah, with pleasure. So um, basically I started uh, with music business. Um, uh, then uh, suddenly involved in the video game industry. I had two companies for, for a little while. Then I moved to Japan, continuing my, my music management career, but more on the live entertainment side. So um, then at a certain point, I really got into the family entertainment uh, side of the business. And, um, you know, I started really enjoying um, trying to find new, uh, new uh, languages, new techniques uh, um, to connect the audience to brands. And this is when I uh, basically, on this path, this is where I met uh, Alex and Inde. And uh, we are here to discuss, uh, you know, new uh, flamboyant uh, ways to, uh, to achieve this objective, basically. Good, great. Well, I think this is, it's a very exciting time for us in our industry. And, um, and I think this, this next subject is something which, which will hopefully really enable our business to grow further, looking at this this the opportunity to start to develop licensed content and augmented reality. So, uh, and I, maybe we should explain really what the, what we mean in that con- context. Um, clearly, we develop content for our own applications because that really demonstrates the capacities of the software and middleware that we build at Indy. And the the content that we build, the 3D content that, that Zolly takes primary responsibility for is 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 the perfect illustration of the capabilities of what augmented augmented reality can do. Um, the, clearly, there's there's also an opportunity for us to start to develop licensed content using bringing in third party brands, recognizable media characters, absolutely, and to bring those into that um, that 3D space. Uh, as this is clearly has a, a number of different opportunities to to drive our business and to drive our industry further forward. So we 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 intelligently sat down and write a list of questions for uh, to to ask the the guys this evening. I'm certainly not going to be um, putting myself forward as the expert in this area. Um, but Zoli, why, why don't we start with um, start with you? So, in terms of creating and adapting content for augmented reality. Are different solutions necessary for different uh, different AR platforms? First, we have to ask what different 
AR platforms are. Um, let's say you have an AR uh, software on your mobile phone. And there are lots of mobile phones uh, already available. And some of them really have uh, strong hardware and some of them have really mediocre hardware. And uh, the software that you uh, plan to use on those uh, mobile phones has to differ a lot in terms of capabilities, in terms of uh, the polygon numbers that uh, content can take. Uh, so, and we're still only talking about uh, phones. So the polygon number, that's essentially indicative of the complexity of the character you're trying to show. Right, because uh, in 3D world, uh, every item, and especially characters, are made out of polygons. So little triangles and quadrangles and so on. And basically the denser uh, the polygon surface is, the more detailed the character is. So we can get a lot, a lot of detail out of characters if we can really use a lot of polygons. Um, but then we'll have to use uh, stronger and stronger hardware to play out all the content life. And, uh, you know, um, because when you're dealing with augmented reality softwares, um, what you're really doing is, uh, is basically um, your real-time generating content on your hardware. And uh, so different phones basically mean that you have different hardware capabilities mm -hmm. and you have to really take this into account when you're dealing with augmented reality content. And uh, we're, right now we're only talking about phones, but of course you can have an augmented reality experience on your PC and on your iPad, on whatever hardware, and you really have to take into account all those different hardwares. So yes, there's really a lot of difference between those platforms. And does that mean effectively that the higher quality content really it is only really displayed to its maximum potential on hardware that has a lot of processing power? Exactly. Um, you know, the case is uh, even more complicated because, of course, um, mobile applications and mobile phones and mobile hardware can't really play out um, um, as many polygons uh, as you could expe expect on a PC. But even a PC, um, which plays out uh, the content re in real time, um, has a somewhat lower quality compared to compared to pre-rendered content, which you really see in the movies, mm -hmm. um, especially, well, if you're thinking about Pixar movies yes. or, uh, or even movies um, which employ heavy, really heavy VFX, and those scenes that you basically see on the movie screen are just made out of uh, complex 3D scenes, so they are really employing heavy polygon scenes. And what they do is that they pre-render those content on huge, huge server farms. And basically with the augmented reality, uh, we're trying to get a similar experience, but played out live in real time on your hardware. Um, so, of course, if you think about it, even on a even on a really hard PC, it's quite hard to get the same performance as as uh, I mean, in terms of visual quality, um, as on a pre-rendered movie or, or or film or whatever. May I intervene? I mean, please, this is please. a fantastic assist to stress. Uh, I mean, f very frankly, something I adored uh, about indie, uh, you know, the early, uh, the very early stage, mm -hmm. because. Because of this um, constraint that, of course, <clears throat> you know, um, a mobile DSP has naturally, uh, you know, lower, um, lower processing power. And so we have the, 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 you know, the polygon issues and so forth. But we go back to the point that, you know, um, sometimes the fact that we have been 
exposed to a mobile-centric society, consumer society in the last, let's say, seven, eight years from the, from the rise uh, of, of smartphones on, especially. Now everything has to happen here. But this is our, let's say, poor consumer mentality uh, t- telling us that. Mm-hmm. Whereas, especially in, for the AR, what I, and I go back to the point, um, what I found really interesting about Inde is that, well, you can enjoy uh, an immersive AR experience without going through your personal device, without the hassle of you know, downloading an app. That was, I found, really an interesting perspective on AR, right? So because of these constraints, again, I mean, the specialty of, you know, giving, you know, emotions and connecting people to brands in large spaces, it's, uh, it's again, certainly more effective, uh, you know, also overcoming certain, certain uh, uh, inconveniences such as, Certainly, the rendering I can count on on a mobile, you know, it, it doesn't give me satisfactions, really. Or, you know, I'm exposed to, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm cope, I have to cope with a downgrading experience yes. somehow, you know. And then, because I'm focusing completely on my screen, good or bad, my comparison is, you know, what I see on YouTube by Pixar, you know, when, when looking at a 3D model. This is the immediate, you know, general purpose uh, public uh, uh, reaction. Ah, mm, yes, but... Mm. Whereas if you are, you know, in a large space, it's, again, immersive because your senses are, are uh, segmented by different simulations, mm-hmm. you know. The crowd, the sound, the lights. I mean, there is the whole thing. It's not just, you're not just focusing on oh, how many pixels, how many. No, you know, you care more about the overall experience, sensorial experience. So. Yeah, I think that's, as, I think this is really one of the more compelling aspects to our physical AR applications in that we we're able to bring AR to the masses without, without the having to people use their own personal device. But do you think about content differently from if you are if you are displaying on a on a larger screen environment to on a smaller screen environment? Yeah, it's uh, from from an from, experience perspective yeah, as well as from a technical. From perspective. an experience perspective, perspective it's totally different, and from a technical perspective, it's also different, and from the creation perspective, it's also totally different. So we have to create different types of animations in terms of quality. Um, for the mobile for the mobile phones, you know, and totally different animations for the large screens. But the gap is getting smaller and smaller. And uh, in the last couple of months, we exper- experimented with uh, mobile content which had uh, the same or almost the same animation quality input as those uh, designed for the larger screens. And they were working quite well on the stronger mobile uh, hardware. So the gap is getting smaller. So who can tell what the future brings to us? So I think having established the context within which our content sits, it leads us logically on to thinking about, well, how does, what does licensed content bring to those augmented reality experiences that indie delivers across multiple platforms. What do we really think that licensed content brings that in, in his own proprietary content maybe doesn't? Or what, what does it bring in addition? Well, from my perspective, that, that would be certainly a key factor. Um, because first of all, I mean, um, speaking from the uh, purely the storytell- a storytelling point of view, we see um, when we say we talk about license, licensed contents. Uh, generally speaking, uh, we talk about animated series. Mm-hmm. Animated series, um, you know, we know that licensing, for example, um, it's very strong in a special in a specific age segment. Let's say, let's say, let's say, especially four to to twenty. Mm-hmm. This is really a, a, a very rich segment. Yes. Let's say. 
Um, so we're talking about um, you know content for for kids and 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 tweens and then teenagers. So contents uh, most likely in you know in large in large in a large case are animated contents. So sometime in Asia, starting from publications, uh, so-called manga, mm-hmm. and then and then moving on when only when they are successful and they pass certain filters. Then they become an animation, so an animated character. Um, so what happens that, I mean, this is in general, right? Yes. So, but the key, again, I, I have to stress again this point, but it's really important for, for my perspective, in my perspective, is that the adaptation is a key moment. So let's say, let's imagine that certain point, classic licensing environment where the, uh, the, the TV show is popular. TV show is the main content. Is in the, the the medium is TV, right? So when it gets into licensing, then you have any kind of um, you know uh, maker, toy maker, um, um, you know apparel maker, shoemaker, and this and that, willing to leverage on on a brand uh, who is penetrative in in, in the re- relevant. Uh, segment, use the brand, exploit the brand, and basically sell whatever they make. So kids' lunchboxes exactly. to pencil cases exactly. to T-shirts. Yeah. Exactly. Now this is the this is how licensing works basically, and uh, and it makes a lot. It's a very rich industry, very rich industry. But again, I mean, the brand has to be strong enough to. Uh, to basically um, reproduce himself on the licensing or licensed item, no matter if it's a toy, a video game, because you mm-hmm. know in most cases, unless the content is is I mean was born originally in a video game environment, in a gaming environment, as it happens very often nowadays. But you know it's quite recent. You know, yes. twenty years ago, you know it, it was very rare. Yeah. Mario Bros. probably is one of the first examples where, you know, the contents got very strong in coming from originally a game. But otherwise, uh, the, the IP owner has to care especially that the transition from the original medium to the licensed medium, the transition is not brutal. And the, the final, I mean, the consumer enjoys the brand in the same way or in a very similar way is he enjoys the brand in the original medium, right? So, again, going back to what is my, my job, um, I am an executive producer. I manage live entertainment companies. So I care that the live experience of a brand is the closest possible to what the original feeling, the original emotion the, the, the same audience, probably, the same person had on the original medium. So they, when they read the original cartoon, exactly. that they still feel this is, this is their character being Ex- represented absolutely. in the live event. Exactly. And I would have the same need if I would be a, a game developer, hmm. a toy maker. You know, I need to bring you what you are in love with, not something similar. You know, I expect Peppa... Peppa cannot be in 3D. Peppa has to be wherever, even if it's a toy, even in a plush. I need to have a 2D feeling because this is the Peppa I love. If you bring me a Peppa face with different shape, it, oh, that's, a, that's not my Peppa. You know what I mean? And again, uh, just to give you a, um, an example on that. Now, many, many, many uh, IP owners, they failed brutally uh, when adapt when doing adaptations, you know, I can mention so many disasters. Oh yeah, I think uh, I suspect we've all got our oh, our stories of of disappointment. Exactly. Right? Except the the Danish the Lego movies. Yes, I mean that that was a very smart move. Mm. That was a fantastic move. Why? Because untouched. You went to the movie theater and watched what you know. It, 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 you know, exactly what you know about Lego. It's a Lego. It's not a, 
a 3D model. You know, it's exactly Lego, well, very well-preserved, mm. you know. So I think that recipe, uh, absolutely winning. So what do you feel you would really need to know about a, a licensed character in order to be able to represent it in the AR environment? What would you say were the the really key things you really need to understand to feel as if, you know, you are going to re- represent that in, in the right environment in a way that's meaningful, Zoli? Well, that's quite an interesting question. I guess first, the first thing I would really do is to limit what kind of character we implement into AR. Because, of course, we cannot really uh, expect to do a 3D implementation if we're talking about a 2D character, right? So we're not, we're, we don't really want to implement any definitely 2D character into a 3D form. Can I disagree? Yeah, you can. All right. Good, this is good. Yeah. Right. No, I mean, look, I'm sorry to disagree, but <laughs> of course, if you say 2D, we can't do, we can't bring, bring a 2D character into a 3D environment. Absolutely true. But, you know, has been invented something to, you know, actually bring in an, into a 3D environment a 2D character. Well, I, I don't I dislike it, but they call it 2.5D. Well, I don't like that definition, but still means it's a 3D model which looks like a 2D one. Only certain, uh, for example, rotations of the head, you know, they are 3D, but the look is absolutely untouched. So uh, I did it with Kitty, for example. I had this problem with Hello Kitty. You know, with Hello Kitty, of course, Kitty is 2D. You know, it's a 40 years old, 43 now, 43 years old character. Can't be, all they, they, they did some uh, atrocious, uh, uh, they tried something in 3D. It was a disaster, complete disaster you know, in terms of everything on so many levels. So so my challenge was, I, I was building a, a, a large musical and I wanted to have an animation movie on, on a large LED uh, wall interacting, you know, time-coded, interacting with the performance and with the audience. But again, you know, if I want to have it, I, you know, I wanted to find some, some, some new formula to bring into a 3D environment. It was tough, but there is a way. And I think the effect was good. And um, so, yeah, that's why I was disagreeing. I think, you know, of course, has to be, a lot of work has to be done on the, on the design um, engineering, but uh, but yes, I tell you, it's possible. We can do that. Um, well, sometimes it's possible, or you can say that you can even say that most of the time it's possible. But what I said basically, what I suggested basically was to limit those cases where it's not really possible. You know, uh, I could give you an example. You know. Let's say we're talking about a Hanna Barbera style mm-hmm. uh, 2D movie with flowing lines. Of, uh, yeah. um, you know, that's I would say right now at this uh, technical development stage where we're currently at, it's quite hard to achieve. A lot of development would have to go into that to receive that kind of look at the end uh, when you're adapting a 3D movie. But the main thing that I, I wanted to say is that, is that sometimes you have to limit yourself and not, and not think that everything is possible. Oh, absolutely, yes. Because most of the time it's possible, but sometimes it's not. And the real disasters really come from those situations when you're starting out, yeah, 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 we can, pretty sure we can do it. And then in the end... Sure, sure, of course. You come up, can come up with something that is, that is not really possible. So technical limitations and the knowledge of technical limitations is really, really important. Mm-hmm. But most of the times, yeah, you're right, it's possible. And I would also stress that it's really important to, to search for the boundaries, you know, to, to look for what's possible and maybe to extend those boundaries a little bit because that's what we do all the time. Um, so it's really interesting. Um, but what you said uh, at the start of, of your mm-hmm. uh, introduction, it's basically about adaptation. Mm-hmm. So what you're really doing is when you're 
adapting something into AR or 3D or whatever is you're adapting, which means you're not copying something, but you're searching for for a way to show it on a certain device in a certain environment to your kids and still retain some of the original experience or most of the original experience. And what we're really de- really designing uh, when we're adapting anything into AR is basically we're looking for hardware, software, and whatever technical solutions to be able to cope um, with the limitations and to be able to deliver those adaptations as best as possible. Mm-hmm. No, no, I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. I mean, also, I mean, back to uh, to your point, it's true. I mean, I should have also have said that you can do it, but with a lot of limits in terms of movements, for example. You know, if you bring a, a, a 2D character in a 3D environment, certainly in a case, for example, where you want to animate through uh, the live avatar technology, the 2D character... Oh well, then you really have uh, you know heavy limits in terms of how the person can move on the axis. So you know, so certainly um, I should have mentioned more um, boundaries. It's not that simple, and I agree also that you need to set certain limits also as a as a AR wizard, let's say you know. Yeah, um, we can do many things, but better to pay attention to to certain details. Yeah, so I guess it's the key of just making sure that we are able to be incredibly clear about what we're actually able to deliver within the AR environment to to the client, to the brand owner, uh, so that ultimately we are, you know, we're able to we're able to deliver a realistic vision. Mm-hmm. And also to really involve the brand owner in that vision. Yeah. So that if content is created for a new channel that maybe is something that hasn't been created before, this doesn't come back to them as a huge surprise. Sure. You know, this is something that is clearly very key in the licensing process. I think the ideal situation uh, and, you know, leveraging of, of an important um, character or brand would be that actually the... Um, the IP owners, they give us both of, let's say we are, you know, on this table, Alex, you are the, the owner of, uh, of Kitty or, you know. Oh, if only I was. Yeah, the creator, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the, in an ideal world, they would actually provide a very detailed manual, you know, an ensemble of guidelines. Even the, the, the trained performers for live avatar technology, for example. So to ensure that all details, they, they know ex- because they know exactly how the character has to behave, you know, what, what, even the small details of, of, of moving and everything has to be covered. So what is left to us, to our creativity and, and competence is finding the best technology um, environment to, to let leave the character, you know, and get in touch with the audience in this new immersive uh, situation. And, for example, us as a show designer to find how to tell the story using AR, using the identity of the character, and a number of other, putting together a number of other elements, such as music and maybe some other effects, some other technology, some, some classic theatrical um, you know, elements uh, of storytelling. Um, you know, so the final result uh, should be a combination of, of these three things uh, in, in an ideal world. And then I think it's seriously, I mean, AR, given those uh, conditions, uh, could be really a new, um, a new astonishing uh, medium for, for, for the audience, especially if free from any, any uh, you know, process, boring process mm-hmm. of downloading or looking through. Just, uh, you know, in one second you get in and you get completely overwhelmed by the surprise yes. of what you see. You know, that's a very valuable feeling. So we've, we've talked about what content might be interesting, um, our capability to deliver content across um, different platforms and also the complexity of building 
3D models that really reflect the the intrinsic characters of the the, the branded content that we're we're talking about. So, having invested this time in building the model, do, are we able to build a model that you, works on that platform and then have it just work on other platforms? Are there technical constraints that we need to consider if deploying a model across lots of different types of hardware? Yeah, there are two answers that I can give you. Okay, first that there are yeah there are differences. There are huge differences, um, of course, because let's say. Um, we want to adapt uh, a Jurassic Park uh, dinosaur character uh, into Indies uh, AR uh, stuff. Um, and then to bring it alive on a large screen AR system, um, we can be pretty much near photorealism uh, with those. Uh, so we can really build a uh, high detailed, high quality, almost photoreal movie quality content on those platforms. And currently, uh, that is not really available on mobile platforms. But for if we're talking about different characters, if we're talking about just smaller animals which don't require that detailed textures, that detailed models. Um, the gap is getting smaller and smaller between those platforms. And um, sometimes it really happens that it even happened about a month ago that we employed uh, the same model uh, for a mobile-based AR that we employed for a, for a light-screen AR system. Um, so that, that happened in the case of a Rhino uh, in the last month. So the gap is getting smaller and smaller, and I'm expecting that it will get smaller and smaller. So how do we achieve that from a technical perspective, to put a, to put a model that is a very, very complex model, but to put it onto a smaller platform? In this case, it really depended on uh, the environment uh, being constrained, you know, uh, because the Rhino had to basically stand in a very concrete location, um, the animal didn't have to move that far away from the from its natural starting point where the animation started and so on. So it really depends on on the on the really first depends on the content on the story on whatever. If the story enables us um, this, then we naturally think about it because then obviously um, um, you naturally think about. It. Why can't we apply this to another platform? Because then it wouldn't cost us a dime to uh, create the content because we don't have to do we wouldn't have to do that again. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess that's the process behind it. So if the story, if the physical limitations, if the whatever limitations enabled us to do that, then we pretty much start thinking about it, and then come the technical limitations, you know, the polygon limitations mm -hmm. that we formerly talked about. But then there are some little tricks that we can apply to cope with those limitations. Because I can trick your eye, because the, the mobile phone screen is certainly a lot smaller than a PC screen or a large screen. Mm -hmm. So your eyes can't really see that much detail in those models. So if we're applying a small texture on the models, on the same model, and we become more effective in playing out on, on a, such a small-scale hardware, then your eyes really wouldn't see the difference. So that's so, basically so the trick. Maybe I shouldn't ask you to uh, disclose any more of your dark arts, <laughs> Zolly. I think it's maybe we'll leave those things for an, another time. Um, but good, thank you. So, Francesca, where do you see the real opportunity in licensed content in the AR environment? If, if I'm to give you a, a, a wish list of a number mm -hmm. of kind of categories, which would be the ones you think, wow, these would look amazing? Wow. Well, um, 
Although I should keep some uh, confidentiality on certain things. Of course, uh, things. of course. <laughs> Discretion <laughs> is incredibly but, uh, important for us. Yeah, but um, I mean, I think there's uh, is an endless, uh, it's a really wide array of mm. opportunities. Um, well, you know, most people, I mean, say and you know, continuously, those really, the, the rookies would say, oh, of course, you know, start with uh, uh, applications uh, with, you know, the stars that passed away, you know, considering that, um, you know, it, it, revival shows are so yes. popular yeah. and you always want to have uh, Elvis on tour again and, you know, try to kiss or marry Monroe and this and that, you know, which I understand is absolutely understandable. And of course, so certainly, but even though, again, we need, there is a little drawback, which is the fact that if you want to have it interactive, then has to be an ensemble of polygons again, which is great. You know, you can reach amazing uh, definitions, but then we go back to the conversation we had, depends on the platform, mm. you know, it's, it gets tricky. If you want to have Elvis, um, a nice footage, a nice edited footage that it looks like he's alive, but still is a video, so you, you see him in person, mm -hmm. Then it's a video. Yes. You know, of course, certain miracles can be done, you know, editing and sampling. But again, you it's not the, um, the feeling live avatar can give you, which is truly interactive because you are. Okay, look, one of the visions I, I have, or I like to, to, uh, to nest basically, which is probably is not, is not something happening in the coming year or two years, but not that far. It's to have, finally having, you know, theatrical performances, finally, uh, you know, dating with technology in a very, in a very refreshed way. Example, I mean, because nowadays, we, you know, theatrical production have been, you know, seeing technology, integration of technologies, always with a certain prejudice, you know, uh, using special effects, but, you know, hey, this is theater original, yeah? So, you know, we, we are not going to become, we don't, we're not going to robots on stage, you know, still this is the, the, the finest art of etc., which I agree somehow. But now I start seeing interpretation, motion capture sets, playing a different role. So having, you know, fantastic performers, great professionals, singers, dancers, being backstage in a, imagine building a, a, a second stage on, you know, a sort of a spec, speculate, uh, you know, a, a mirrored uh, stage where you have performers wearing the motion capture set, yes. singing and dancing with crazy skills, but for the audience, then you will enjoy their skills live, so live interaction, live mm -hmm. recitation, everything, but with the illusion, with the magic of a virtual animated character yes. coming in the air. So you can put, so this is what I see. So this is what I'm, I'm aiming to actually. Not just, uh, th that may sound too futuristic, like, ah, oh, with, no, you, know, we you all, picture we yourself very old, like, uh, when, I, when, I, when, I, when this will happen, <laughs> I will be... Uh, or, no, I, I think... It's not far do, away. No, there, especially there will be something in between. It doesn't have to be yes. just uh, we are mummies, you know, and we are watching this. No, there will be something in between. Some, you know, some actors interacting in a very natural way with virtual characters and, and, you know, and AR in this uh, would play a, a very important role. Not just the, the, the prime, you know, a, a primer role on stage, but I see also venues getting furnished in a new way where you make out of a wall in the, in the, in the foyer a part of the story, you know, across, a, again, the cross-media storytelling formula, which is for years like, well, what is that really? Well, 
it's very simple. You know, if you, it's easy to say, it's very difficult to do it. Mm-hmm. So to tell a story, to convey a story across different media and keeping the, the, the readers or whatever, the, the audience uh, still there, you know, from one media, from one medium to another, following the story. Oh, that's very interesting. That's, uh, that's exciting. And I guess this brings back to this whole idea of being able to to build a model, but then to adapt that model for different for those different media as you tell the story across different platforms. Yeah, what we're talking about right now is uh, to bring uh, characters and other IPs, I guess, uh, from neighboring uh, mediums to AR, right? So we're talking about bringing Batman and Superman and the Pixar characters and the Jurassic Park uh, dinosaurs to AR and hopefully in the future to mobile AR as well, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess um, the hardest thing to uh, recreate are always uh, human characters or humanoid characters. So in... In this sense, even Batman is a human character. <laughs> or, sure. su- or Superman is a human <laughs> character as well. Um, because, you know, you see a lot of humans around you and you're used to those little tiny expressions on the, humans fa- on the human faces, um, the human movements and so on. And it's quite hard to adapt those. It's a lot harder to adapt those than, let's say, a rhino's movements because you're not really used to those. And uh, so in terms of um, future applications of these intellectual properties, of which most are uh, human characters, right? Even Elvis is a human character, always. Yeah, <laughs> well, he's sure. more sort of yeah. superhuman, really. He's Elvis superhuman, was, yeah. yeah. No, but that's why I was saying, I mean, I mean even though the rookies would say, ah, oh, you know, you should do that. Actually, no, it's the worst fit, because you, then you get into a world of constraints, you know, um, unattended expectations somehow, you know. Yeah, right. But, you know, we're at the point, I guess, we're near the pinnacle point of, uh, of the technical development where, it's, uh, where we're able to do this on a live system um, in real time, you know, to adapt a human uh, actually moving human character, a former actor or Superman or whoever, onto a, a live AR platform. Um, and uh, I know that actually there are, you know, even Hollywood companies who were experiencing, experimenting with the, those, uh, um, this kind of stuff. But it, what I can feel now is that processing power, you know, we're again techni- talking about technical constraints, but here we go, we are a tech company. Mm-hmm. Um, so processing power grew up to a point in the last couple of years that we're, I, I strongly believe that we're uh, capable, capable of delivering uh, almost human-like performances on a live avatar system in the near future. And in the new, what I what do I mean by the new future? I mean a year, or maybe two years. But within that time, we would be able to do this. So that's my future well, projection. That's very interesting bit of future gazing there, and it's really not too far away. It's really not too far away. Yeah. Um, the reason I can reason I can project this is that um, it's even now it's almost possible. And there's just a little bit of hardware speed, which is right now needed, or just a little bit of knowledge that has to go into that, which is really not far away. Great. So we talked about potentially um, digital resurrection, I think is the phrase, isn't it, of bringing people back to life. I mean, what other what other uh, channels do you think would be interesting? I mean, I, for me, I'm a sports obsessive. So, what kind of application do we think we could we could make of uh, applying AR technology with sports? Sports, absolutely, uh, certainly. It's uh, I think it's one of the most fertile uh, 
field, you know. I mean, I see, I see so many commercial applications uh, possible, and already, you know, I think we are all already thinking strongly um, to many of them. But um, yeah, well, audit and sport. Uh, again, I just to, to go back for a second to this topic. I mean, I really agree. Um, technology will will give us this opportunity very shortly you know, to reproduce. But to me, again, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my 40s. So I'm a kind of an average, uh, you know, between past and future. Still, I, I prefer the magic of some character, a character coming from a fantasy world. I meet in real, but still as a fantasy character, mm -hmm. you know. From the moment I see uh, a person, uh, a person who, who, you know, is, who passed away person, or then it's clear in your face that it's an illusion. You know, it's, it's not real. Well, it's dead. You know, now I see him or I see her, it, but, you know, I know something about it. Whereas if I see... Um, a fairy flying, or I play with a ghost or or a robot, in the, you know, from, coming from another dimension. Or, well, then it's not an illusion because, you know, I know it as an I mean, you know, there is no passage. It comes from 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 an illusion. It's I I knew it as an illusion, and and now it's with me, in another in another frame, in another dimension, in another medium again. But um, I don't have this moment of logic coming to my mind, oh, but uh, Elvis, you know, passed away somehow, you know. So I don't challenge Elvis. I'm not going to, I'm going to check, eh, yes, but, uh, you know, the, the hair, mm, no, I can see that. No. But if I see Snoopy, it's Snoopy. I don't have any, any, any complaints, nothing, you know, it's... Uh, it's easier to picture them in this oh, yeah. fundamentally virtual yes. form. Yes. Albeit that they're being represented in a physical environment, exactly. but it's a virtual character being Yeah. Somehow if it's if it's you know, Elvis I know he's not Elvis, you know. He died. <laughs> I, I, yeah, he's not he? <laughs> right. He's, a, he's in Argentina. He uh, may be in he may be. You know? They do good burgers in Argentina. Exactly. Indeed. So um you know, if it's if he's a if he's Gundam or Gundam or whatever, you know, one pe a character. Oh, it's really you know I don't perceive the 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 the, the transition, the tricky transition. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you guys what would be on your wish list. So if I was to say right, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you each a character mm -hmm. from this world of kind of branded content. Which would be your choice to bring into the AR environment? Mm-hmm. Mm. Probably a character from Monsters, Inc. You know, the oh, third, good. The yeah, third that's character. A great idea. Um, it's because mostly I agree with Francesco that uh, right now that kind of a character, which is really far away from being photorealistic, uh, it has his own dimensions, his own virtual reality is uh, is a lot more um, livable through AR. And um, yeah, basically that's it. Who wouldn't want to, uh, you know, interact with that, that funny monster, right? Good, good choice, actually. I like that one. <laughs> well, it's a very difficult one. You know, because my mind goes everywhere, you know. Cause good, I've, well, that's, that's good. That shows uh, the possibility. That's, uh, I have, a, I, have a, I think, a big background of, uh, you know, characters. I don't know why, but uh, I came to my mind something, eight, some 8-bit eight, eight mm -hmm. kind of thing, you know. Good, like a sort of Space Pitfall. Invaders? No, more some... some uh, now I, I I may contradict myself, but I was having just uh, just if I had to say what I had in mind, I I was seeing some some very old Activision game. Okay. 
Activision environment made 3D-ish, but with that touch, and then you have to do things, you know, and then you have to do things and move around and, and for example, because that was about um, labyrinths, so yes. I, w- I was imagining a, a sort of recreated labyrinth based on AR mirrors. Okay. Wow, you so, put some thought into this. This is imp- a very impressive vision. Really? But, I mean, but funny, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think a fun experience. And, you know, so um, sort of recreating uh, the experience of the game, but with you being this time the, uh, the person, well, the hero. Good, I like it. Good. I'm torn, actually. I'm torn <laughs> because I've got... So I've clearly got my sports obsession on one side and then I've got the fact that I've, you know, I've got a six-year-old son at home and who's obsessed with Winnie the Pooh. Oh, I love it. I love it. Fantastic. Oh, he's so healthy, your son. Yeah, so I think Winnie the Pooh would be, you know, I lean towards um, a, a 3D Winnie the Pooh. Uh, which would be really difficult, wouldn't it? Because to, to represent, because of course the Disney characters are so strong, mm-hmm, and mm. but to, to work on a representation of that. And then, of course, the other side, maybe pictures meeting um, one of my favourite players from my soccer team from Manchester City. So if I could meet like Sergio Aguero uh-huh. in a hero mirror... Uh-huh. Yeah, see, I could, I, I could see that. So I'm sort of torn between the two. I think my emotional pull is Winnie the Pooh, but right. maybe, my, maybe the more aspirational side of me, the adult, it's the child and the adult, the adult right. thinks, well, maybe I could kick a ball with right. Sergio right. Aguero, but that's... Uh, but you know what is interesting about that is that many, well, especially, let's say, not my generation, but already, let's say, starting from my generation on, there's so much affection towards not just the the, um, the actual players, mm. but the uh, 3D renders, rendered players in FIFA and in Pro Evolution Soccer. Of course. So, of course. you know, so there are many youngsters that they, they, they spent, well, I used to do, to, to spend a lot of time on PlayStation 1 as well, you know, my times, but, you know, that they, they wouldn't know if they would prefer to, you know, to have a picture done with, um, I don't know, the real Aguero or the Aguero on FIFA. Because somehow they spent more time, you know, playing, you know, with Aguero on on FIFA than in real, you know, so they're even more attached. So it's it's interesting. And of course, with the rise of esports these days, there's, um, you know, the the virtual character is, is increasingly prominent in the media world. Good. Well, guys, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and expertise. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Elpa. We, we didn't say too much. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about Indie, please visit us at www.industry.com.